to believe, for every voice to cry out, burn like a fire in me, for every tongue to confess, you alone are the King, you are the hope of the earth, burn like a fire in me, for every knee to bow down, for every heart to believe, for every voice to cry out, burn like a fire in me, for every tongue to confess, you alone are the king, you are the hope of the earth. to see come to know the Lord? Who is it that needs to see that light? And, and as you sing this chorus this time, just believe that God is going to use you to be that light into that life. So your world. For the sake of my world, For the sake of my world, burn like a fire in me, light a flame in my soul for every eye to see. For the sake of my world, burn like a fire in me. Oh, let's sing that again. For the sake of my world, burn like a fire in me. Set a flame in my soul for every eye to see. For the sake of my world, burn like a fire in me. Oh, let's sing that again. For the sake of my world. For the sake of my world, burn like a fire in me. Light a flame in my soul for every eye to see. For the sake of
set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Come set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I won't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Come set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I won't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Come set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I won't control. I want more of you, God. Sean is singing the last two songs right in the middle of this sanctuary there is a blazing fire I mean it is like a big giant bonfire and as I'm watching the flames reach up I'm watching sparks that fly out from this fire and cover the people in this sanctuary for you see to get the glory you have to come into the heavens you see you're my glory on the earth you carry my glory. So you go up into the heavens 
and you partake of my glory. And so when you walk on this earth, you're full of my glory. And those you see are changed because you are not the same. Because as you carry my glory, it's like that fire. It burns in you. It goes out from you. Everywhere you go, there's little sparks going off from you. And they're causing people to be changed. Because this is the time when I want to pour out my glory. But my glory is in heaven. And my glory is here in you. And you have to let it out. You have to let it out. Just don't be afraid of what others will say. Just worship me. Just let my glory fill this earth like I want it to. And as it does, cities, states, nations will change because I am the I am pouring out my glory so that you can be free in every single way. Hallelujah. Somebody ought to give the Lord a shout of praise for His glory this morning. Thank you, Lord. Just put your hand on your heart. See, the glory of God is inside of us, and we're pulling on that glory today. So just put your hand on your heart today. Father, I'm just saying pull that glory out. Your glory, that you have glory. Each and every one of us have the glory, that the gifts and the callings and the purposes of God, and we just pull on that today. We say where it may have been way hidden down under, we're bringing it to the top today. We're thinking that it's going to begin to shine today. So, Father, just release your goodness, release your glory upon our lives today in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. You guys, take a few minutes, meet and greet one another. Listen, the children are going to stay in here. We've got a special with the kids today, first through fourth grades. Let's get out and meet one another, greet one another. So everybody's going to stay in here, and then we'll dismiss after the the special.
that I can't contain, that I won't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. So set a fire down in my heart that I can't contain, that I won't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. So set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I won't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you. God is good all the time. Well, we're glad you all are here this morning. Welcome to Living Word Fellowship. I know we've got some, some visitors here. We just say welcome and God bless you. And we've got some, uh, the Desort family, because Reagan over here is graduating. Reagan, woohoo! Gonna 
or honor him next Sunday, next Sunday for gra on graduation. And Kathy Desort is here from Benton, Arkansas. Pat couldn't come, but they passed her in Benton, Arkansas, so we, we welcome them. And Mike Desort is here from Virginia. I was going to say Washington, D.C. area, but it's around that area. And so welcome. God bless you. Okay, well, we're, we're giving our little video announcements some, some go-ahead here, so go for it. Hey, Living Word Fellowship Church. Welcome again to the announcements. Uh, my name is Mario. Once again, I come to you from my house. Uh, here we have George. George is going to help me do the announcements today. Uh, so everybody, whenever you see George coming around, just you know, make sure you say hello. Uh, he's kind of new to the church, but uh, he's very interested in helping us out. So, you know, the month of May it has been an amazing month. This is the 31 Days of 31 Gifts fundraiser for the Back to School Bash Backpack Giveaway. Everybody, we just uh, want to thank you for those who have been participating, those who have participated, and those who have won. You know, there has been an occasion where somebody has won more than once. So, yes, if you buy one of the fundraiser raffle tickets, you can win more than once. There's a few days left in the month. Let's make it a big bang of a month, guys. Come on now, let's support these kids and uh, going back to school, getting backpacks, getting them ready. Let's show them the love of Christ. What do you think, George? <laughs> uh, thank you, Mario. I appreciate that. Uh, again, like Mario said, uh, welcome. Uh, thank you for uh, showing support. I've met a few of you already. Um, you guys are amazing people, and I just want to say thank you for receiving me with open arms. Ladies, don't forget, May 31st through June 1st, uh, the Women's Conference is going on. Uh, if you plan on attending, please let Pastor Shelley know by the 27th of this month. That way, she can go ahead and get all the rooms booked up, and everybody has a room to stay in. I think it'd be a good idea for all the people to have a room, right? Anyways, uh, thank you for your hospitality. You guys are amazing. Hey, George, thank you. We appreciate you for doing this. Everybody, starting June 5th, we have a parenting class. It's called Loving Your Children on Purpose. Uh, more news about that to come. Until then, we just want to say thank you for being amazing. <laughs> you guys uh, always just manage to put a smile on my face. You guys are amazing. All of you. Right, George? That is absolutely right, Mario. Everybody, I just want to say thank you again for receiving me with open arms. You guys are an amazing group of people. All of you are. just want to say thank you again. Love you. We'll see you guys later. Praise the Lord. Okay, Bobby, go ahead and on the loving your kids on purpose. Pastor Sean here. Just want to let you know about something that's coming up here at Living Word Fellowship Church. We're going to be having a parenting class this summer. Um, I don't know about you, but I could use some help with parenting. Uh, you've probably seen me and Callan running around the sanctuary, and uh, there's probably a few things that I can learn. You know, I took just a few moments to see what I could pull up on the internet about parenting, and you know what? There's a lot of really great information. Here's parenting for dummies. 
don't know about you, but I feel sometimes pretty stupid when I'm working with Callan. Here's raising happy children. You know, I might have some good information. Here's another one. Raising smart kids. Hey, I want Callan to be really smart. Here's even another one. Going rogue for dummies. Callan does that enough on his own. I don't think he needs that book. Well, thankfully, there's other great information out there, and we're, we will be using for our parenting class some information that's been put together by Danny Silk. Uh, Danny Silk was the gentleman who we watched the videos a few months ago about defining relationships on relationships between husbands and wives, and it's great material. This is a parenting class that he's also put together called Loving Your Kids on Purpose. It will have nine sessions. We'll be starting June 5th. It will be, at six, uh, we'll be starting at 6.30. Uh, we won't be coming in for worship, we'll be just going straight to class just to kind of know how it's going to work. If you're interested in taking part of this, we will have a clipboard at the back of the sanctuary and there's a table set up, uh, just look for the parenting class table and uh, sign your name on the clipboard so we know how many people to expect and where we can, you know, so we can figure out where we're going to set up for the class. So, um, I, there's just a little bit of information here that's uh, straight from Danny Silk and I'll be right back after that. is way better than rules. No matter what your learning process is today, I am going to manage me. Because we didn't see this coming. You know, before you had children, you didn't see this coming. You're like, oh, we're never going to do that with our child. All right, I'll tell you what, that will never happen in my house right there. I don't know. Whoa. With all the options they have and all the freedoms that they have, what I'm going to give them is the ability to tell themselves what to do. And you as parents, I mean, some of you are in the thick of it. I can see it in your eyes. You're going to make it too. So once again, if you're interested in signing up, just head to the parenting, parenting table at the back of the sanctuary, sign your name on the clipboard, and we'll see you there. Thanks a lot. All right, praise the Lord. So I know you got your little sheet in your insert in your bulletin. So if you're interested in that, go ahead and fill that out. There's also a table back here that has more information. So we're excited about that. So Wednesday night, June 5th, that'll start. All right, uh, Miss Jessica, there you are. Good morning. Um, Oh, oh my God! Sorry, it's been a long day yesterday. Um, we are having a um, <laughs> back to school bash. Sorry, yeah, celebrate recovery jumped in my mind. I don't know why, but uh, back to school bash meeting um, right after church, and um, it may be a little long, you know, thirty minutes to forty-five minutes. So I will be providing lunch. Yay! So I can have all of your attention. Your tummies won't be grumbling. Um, and I'd really um, appreciate you guys if you're interested in, you know, advertising, helping set up any any part of this fabulous event um, for the Back to School Bash. Um, please come and join us. And just even if you don't know about the Back to School Bash, you want to come and find out what it is and you want to help, um, please, you're invited to come back. And um, we're going to meet in the rock room, which is the room right off the kitchen. Um, and, you know, we'll just learn about the Back to School Bash, what it is and what we need help with. Okay. 
remember the back to school bash. I know we're still finishing up this year, but it is only two months away. And her amazing goal is a thousand backpacks with school supplies. So guess what? That takes some advanced planning. And she's just give Jessica a hand because she has been amazing. She and her and her team, and she's always game for more team players with her, have put together packets that we've sent out to the oil field industry, to the businesses, to the chamber, um, to have them donate towards this and make it a community event. So that's why we're already talking about Back to School Bash 2013 because it's only like eight weeks away. So there's so much to do, and it's not as far away as you think. Amen. So we've got a special here by our first through fourth graders doing a special song with their flags. So we're excited. Give them a hand as they come up on stage.
Let's give them another round of praise. Hallelujah. Hey, guys. Love you. You know, last week I said I had a revelation. I could just hear Martin Luther King, you know, I have a dream. But, you know, it's amazing the, the things that the Lord will speak to me when he's got my attention. <laughs> and this week, I felt like he wanted to talk about <clears throat> my stewardship. And, and so, as I went to uh, Deuteronomy, uh, chapter 7 and 8, I found in that, that passage of Scripture where the Lord was kind of giving Moses a, a review of the past and then the intended future that he, um, he had for his people in the promised land. Now we know at that time that the Lord had taken his people out of Egypt, out of that place of not enough, and then he had taken them into the wilderness, that place of just enough, and then he was preparing them to go into the promised land, which was that place of more than enough. And he's taken his people out of Egypt, but Egypt isn't out of the people, and therein comes the problem. Now, keep in mind that as believers in Christ, we are grafted in to be the Lord's people. So when we read in Scripture re addressing his people, you can kind of pin us in that place. And, and despite what the Lord knows to be in the hearts of his people, In Deuteronomy 7, 6, this is what he tells them slash us. He says, you, you Living Word Fellowship, you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. And you know... If we're not believing that we are holy and treasured 
then we've believed a lie and we're deceived. We've got a wrong core belief, as Virginia would put it. And because of the book of Genesis, we know that Adam slash us, that we were given the privilege of stewarding the earth. We have been given the immense privilege of looking after the Lord's garden, even the garden of his finances. But the Lord brought to my attention that my focus had shifted concerning my tithing. I had been so faithful to give 10% and more. That's just a given at my house. But it was just had become a thing of rote with me, a thing of habit. And what the Lord wanted to point out to me is that I could be like a banker. I could be like a business manager. And I had been placed in charge of all the things in my little sphere of influence. You know, my job, my home, my family, um, the, little, the little ministry that we inherited. And that I had begun to treat my possessions and my income as mine. And basically, I was dangerously close to thinking, oh my goodness, wasn't that good of me to give God his portion? I, I didn't see that one coming. But as I really evaluated, I thought, oh my God, that had to be the next step. Oh Lord, you're right. I mean, he'd be right, wouldn't he? Okay, okay, but you know, I've got to rationalize through these things. I had lost sight of the excitement, of the privilege of knowing that I've been given charge. I was actually appointed in my little sphere of influence as a banker where I could handle the Lord's finances that he funneled through my hands of just doing what is right and good in my area. And once, once he tweaked my mindset, that changed my whole outlook. I thought, oh, my God, I have such a privileged position that he has entrusted so much, even his finances, to me. In essence, I had become so selfish, and I had coveted overlooking that far greater reward that comes from just knowing God is entrusting you to be in charge of his things. And you know, we've all experienced that awesome feeling you get inside when you've been used by God. And I was like, oh my God, when that revelation came in, I mean, I had my Ford moment, the light bulb came on, and I was like, oh my God, I, I have really got an awesome privilege and responsibility here to know that we are so treasured that the Lord entrusts everything, even his finances, to us. That makes me feel so valued and so needed. Deuteronomy 8.18 says, But remember the Lord your God, 
for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant which he swore to your forefathers as it is today. You know, it came to me that if I ever want to walk in a fuller measure of the kingdom, then I must be faithful in that small area where I've been entrusted. And when I conquer that basic concept, then the Lord can trust me with more. And being a tither is no light thing. It's a kingdom principle that sets us up for advancement, prosperity, and greater fulfillment. And I want to move into that place, which is basically the promised land, that place of more than enough. I want to live out my destiny as God has written it in my personal book in heaven. I want to land that in my life here in the earth realm. I want to be the weos, that mature son of God. And I just wanted to share that with you today. Lord, I thank you so much that in the middle of pointing out what could be a weak area, a flaw, a wrong core belief, you are so tender and you are so loving. And you cause your grace to more than abound to us to make the needed change. And I just thank you for your goodness. And so, Lord, this this offering today that we give you, may it truly be an offering out of our heart, not just out of an established practice, but as a love offering of worship to you today, that your kingdom would be built, that it would be established even in our lives even in this house and the walls beyond. And I just ask this in the confidence of the name of Jesus. Amen. Those of you that are visiting, we just bring our offering up front. So come on and give the Lord the offering as a worship. We're going to go ahead and release the kids at this time, too, now, if you will. Turn to somebody and say, we're glad you're here. Somebody next to you that if you're visiting, first of all, we welcome you, and we just want to welcome those that are joining us on the Internet this morning. We bless you, and we thank you for being here. 
We are, I'm excited this morning, um, although I am not going to be preaching today. Um, so those of you that came and visited, um, you get to come back and, uh, and hear a message that we've got together. But I'm excited. Shelly and I are honored today. First of all, we're talking about the goodness of God. Say, God is good all the time, no matter how I feel, no matter how it is in my life, we serve a good God. Now turn to somebody and say, release your goodness, come on, on their life. So he's going to release your goodness upon their lives today. So we are honored and blessed, and, and let's give the Lord another praise for the kids. I mean, wow, what, what an awesome job, what a, a way to worship. Um, but I, today I'm really ex- excited because um, Pastor Brad and Tammy Mendenhall are here from World Harvest Church in Enid, Oklahoma. Let's give Enid a big shout of praise and what Pastor Brad and Tammy have been able to do there. They were set in just, well, actually, they they started just before we did. So they're coming up on 15 years, or in 15 years, and we're coming up on that in July. And um, we're just honored to be able to have him today. God's going to release something in your life today. Anybody want to receive something from the Lord? If you haven't already, you're going to receive something else from the Lord. Let's give Brad and Tammy a great big warm Woodward welcome as we welcome Pastor Brad and Tammy in the house today. Bless you, brother. Thank you for being here. Thank you very much. Well, good morning, Woodward, Oklahoma. Is God alive in Woodward here this morning? Three of y'all figure that's true. Come on, is God alive in Woodward, Oklahoma this morning? Amen. Good to be with you. I'm going to let my wife bring a greeting before I get into my part of it today. Amen. Good morning. We are so happy to be here. I'm telling you, the Spirit of the Lord is in this place. Amen. If you've came in heavy, burdened down, whatever you've been through, listen, the presence of the Lord is here to remove every burden and destroy every every bondage that's in our lives. Amen. And we serve a good God. A little bit about us. Brad and I, we have been married 25 years. We're coming up at 20, on our 25th year in August. Yay. We don't look like we should be that old, right? <laughs> that we're going to do something huge for our 25th anniversary. I'm just throwing a little plug in there. Doing something huge for, don't you think we should? Come on now. Yeah, we should do some. We're thinking Hawaii. I don't know. I'm just like throwing some things out here. So planting some seeds. A little further than Woodward. Yeah, a little little further than Woodward. Um, But we have four awesome kids that are, there's a picture of them up there. Of course, we've added one to the family. Uh, Our uh, oldest daughter is married. But we have twins that are 21. They're boy, girl. The one on the far left is Brandon. And her twin is the one that's in the middle, the girl. And they are, Brooke and Brandon, they are 21, and uh, Brooke is married to the guy that's hanging on to her so tightly. That's Kinsley, her husband, and they've been married for over a little, a little over a year and fixing to have our first grandbaby, and I say fixing, in September. So we hear grandparenting is the best thing yet. We haven't experienced it yet, but I hear a lot of, yeah, amens, that that's going to be amazing. So we're looking forward to that. Then our uh, middle daughter, which is on the far uh, right, is Brittany, and she is 19, and she's at, well, she just came home from Oral Roberts University from her first year there, loves it, loves it, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And then our baby is the second one on the left. And this is Bryce, and he is 16, and he gets to drive, well, he's almost 16. So he's still, you know, he's driving me around everywhere, you know, scaring me. <laughs> he's getting his driver's, uh, getting prepared to get his driver's license in July. So anyway, that is our family. 
and uh, like uh, Pastor said, we've been pastoring in Enid, Oklahoma for 15 years, and uh, if you've pastored that long, you've been through a little bit of something, something. <laughs> you've had to walk, you know, had some blood, sweat, and tears in that, but it's also been a lot of joy and a lot of great things, and uh, my hubby will get into a little bit of that here in a few, but I'm, we're glad to be here. All right. Thank you, sweetheart. Amen. I, I definitely like Eric. We married way above our our looks, our status. Amen. Aren't you glad God is good to you all the time? Well, it is so good to be here at Living Word. And uh, my background, I actually was raised out in Guyman, Oklahoma. You guys thought Woodward was the end of Oklahoma, but let me tell you, Guyman is out there. But graduated as a Guyman Tiger. And so I have been through Woodward pretty much all my life, and it's always through Woodward going somewhere else. And so it is just an incredible privilege today to be with you guys here, uh, spending Sunday morning with you. I was telling Eric, I said, listen, I feel like I am on vacation here today. Because back home, uh, we have started since October of last year, we are doing three Sunday morning services now. So I'm preaching back-to-back three times, bam, 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 9, 10, 30, and 12. And so actually, we've, we're just going to wrap up service number two. We're about halfway through service number two uh, back there in Enid. So when I come and do one service, it's like I feel like I should be doing something. I feel like I should be up earlier. I feel like I should just be busy about something. So it's good to be here with you all today. Day. Only doing one service. I'm not preaching two or three this morning, am I? Okay, so only doing one service today. So it's good to be with you. Let me tell you, God is alive and well in Enid, Oklahoma. I encourage you, next time you're through Enid, stop by and see us. We'd love to see you. Uh, and we, we, we're just excited to be out here and just to hear what God is doing here uh, at Living Word Fellowship. Come on, how many of y'all are excited about Jesus in your life today? Let me hear you today. Come on, let me hear you. Let me hear you a little louder. How many of y'all are excited about Jesus today? Oh, we're so excited about Jesus Christ today. You want to go ahead and get your Bibles out with me this morning. And, of course, myself, I don't know if Pastor Eric does this, but I always like to bring a little chuckle uh, before we get into the Word of God. So if you need to laugh a little bit here this morning, listen to this real close. Pastor Eric, you're going to like this one. There was two men who were shipwrecked on a deserted island one day when one of the men became very frantic and began to scream and yell. He says, we're going to die. There's no food. There's no water. We're going to die. Well, the other guy, he calmly sat there and propped up against a palm tree, and it just drove the other guy crazy because the guy was so calm. The other guy says, don't you understand? We're going to die. Nobody's going to rescue us. What's wrong with you? Well, the second guy sat there calmly and said, well, listen. He says, you don't have to worry about a thing. He said, you see, I make $100,000 a week. The other guy said, what, what difference does $100,000 a week make? We're on a deserted island. It doesn't matter how much money you make. We're going to die. Don't you understand? The second guy just smiled and said, listen, you don't get it. He said, I make $100,000 a week, and I'm a tither. When I don't show up to church this Sunday, I can guarantee you my pastor is going to come and find me. <laughs> I like that one. Amen. Well, grab your Bible and let's go to the Father God in prayer here this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time that we can come gather together here in this great church, Lord, in this great city of Woodward, Oklahoma. Lord, we know that you are alive and that you are well, and Father, that you're good. And Lord, as we spend these few moments that we have remaining together this morning just in your word, just 
just teaching and preaching and just diving into seeing you in Scripture today, Lord God. Father, as I look across this congregation here this morning, Father, I know there's many different facets and walks of life that are represented, many different situations that are going on. And, and Father, I don't know every circumstances these people are in. I, I don't know what's going on in every heart and every life, but Lord, I know that you do. So, Father God, I ask that as I bring forth this message that you have been stirring in my heart from the moment that Pastor Eric called, Father, I just ask this, don't let any of us leave the same way we come into this place today. But, Father God, I ask this, that you speak to every heart, you speak to every life. Lord, whether we touch on the, the thing, the subject, the, the, the Scripture that each one needs or not, Lord God, your Holy Spirit is here that can minister life and minister direction and minister purpose today. So, Father God, we ask that you will have your will and have your way during our time. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody that agreed said, Amen and amen. I love to start off our teaching time with the confession of our faith. Would you do something for me? Grab your Bible, your iPad, your iPhone, your eye, whatever you've got. Hold it up before the Lord. Make a confession with me. Say this with me. Say, I am what this Bible says that I am. See, I can do what this Bible says that I can do. Say, I have what my Bible says that I can have. Say, I am somebody. I am going somewhere. And I am doing something incredible for the kingdom of God. Come on, say, my mind is at peace. Say, my spirit is very much alive. And this body of mine, it is healed and it is whole because your word, Lord, it's working mildly in my life. And I will never, 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 I'll never be the same again because of the word. Amen. Do you believe that today? Come on, if you believe it, give your neighbor a big old high five today and tell them, I love the word. We love the Word. I want you to open up your Bibles with me to the book of Daniel. We're going to go back into the Old Testament here this morning with the time we've got together today. Daniel chapter 3, and we're going to dig into just a very familiar story that many of us read before. We heard it in children's church or Bible school or wherever it was. You've heard this story before. But as Pastor Eric called and said, hey, we're on a series in the month of May talking about the goodness of God. I tell you, I love talking about the goodness of God. In fact, turn to your neighbor and tell them for the first of many times here today, my God is a good God. God is so good. And, and whenever I begin to really pray and meditate about our time we'd have together today, the Lord just really stirred this passage in my heart. I've been in the book of Daniel. We launched into a series at World Harvest Church back in Eden, talking about living in the lion's den and really about the culture and our society that we're living in today. And, and I was reminded of this story in Daniel chapter 3, a separate story in Daniel. So the Lord's had me in here, and this just story just popped off the page at me. And I'm going to look at it here. Many of y'all know this story. It's the story of the fiery furnace of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The story of the fiery furnace, a powerful story. And many of y'all are familiar with the story. And if you're not familiar with that story, I'd encourage you before the night uh, just falls tonight, read through Daniel chapter 3. Because of time, I'm not going to go through a lot of it here. But the story really is the setting is this. We have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We've got this whole group of people that have been taken captive from the land of Israel, taken to a foreign place, to the land of Babylon the land of Babylon, under King Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar, he has conquered the group of people, God's chosen people. He has taken the best for himself, brought them back to enhance his kingdom, to make his place better. 
And now the thing that you got to understand about Babylon is this. Babylon really represents the secular society of the time. It really represents a different way of thinking. It really represents an anti-God culture. It was in Babylon that the king, and during this time, he had set up this tremendous image of himself, and the command went out all across the land, said that whenever the music plays, everybody's going to have to bow. You bow. And if you don't bow to this image, then you're going to die. I think of Babylon and the culture of Babylon, and, you know, and I think of the culture that we're living in today. You know, Pastor Eric, I am greatly concerned about our society that we're living in today. I am concerned about the United States of America. I remember you, when you and I was growing up, we could probably say we live in a nation where God is the center. But I'm, I'm seeing God kind of pushed out of the center today. I'm seeing God kind of put on the shelf today. I kind of see other things taking precedence over the power of God in our society today, in our nation today, and it does concern me. And, and, and I am concerned about the culture of our nation, of how there's such a push to accept the pleasures of man and, and, and to accept this, the things that we know are not of God. Things that we see that God plainly says is not right. We're living in a society today that says, you know what, it's okay. And, and I really believe, Pastor Ake, that we're some way be somewhat maybe kind of like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They are godly people wanting to live a godly life, but they're living in a strange culture. You know, I, 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 I don't know if it's going to get any better either. I just don't know. I, I think just maybe it's a sign of the times. But the thing that I want you to understand is I believe that the story of Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and even uh, these guys with, with the fiery furnace and with the lion's den later on, that, I, you know, I, I'm starting to relate to this in a sense. Because we're living in such a culture now that used to be such a God culture and God-centered and God-saturated culture. But now that, that is changing, there's a shift that is going on in our nation. Now, I thank God that I live in the state of Oklahoma. We are living in a very conservative area of the nation. And when I say conservative, don't let that trip you up. I'm not talking about political stance. I'm talking about our mindset, our belief system, our morals, our, what, what we know to be is true. But, you know, there is an attack from the, the, the liberal side of people pushing the homosexual agenda now, people pushing things that are blatant sin. And we, they were easy, even lobbying groups now that are setting up office in our capital in Oklahoma City. They're going to start pushing uh, their agenda into our legislative uh, areas here coming this fall. It, it does concern me. But the thing that I know is this, that God is good, and God is still in control, and God is still on the throne, amen? And, and as I look into the story of, of, of the fiery furnace, I've just kind of got a new revelation of some things I believe in here, because there was a pressure against some godly people here to change what they believe, to change their standard. There was a pressure from the culture around them to act differently than they knew to act. And these three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had made a decision. I like what it says in Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, when we're talking about Daniel and the whole group. He says that they purposed in their heart that they would not defile themselves. In other words, they made a decision, a quality decision. You know what? I don't care how bad this may get, how ugly it may get. We are not going to allow ourselves to be soiled, to be stained by the culture around us. They made a stand. I hope you're going to make a stand in your culture today. Amen. And this is not really where I intended to go, but let's jump into this. In verse 19 of Daniel chapter 3, let me read a few verses here about the fiery furnace. And we know that the, the music played and everybody bowed uh, down to the idol except for these three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And because they would not bow, they was 
faced with some consequences in that. Verse 19, and it says this, Nebuchadnezzar, I'm in the New Living Translation. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw him into the blazing furnace so that they tied them up and they threw him into the furnace. I I like this. Fully dressed in their pants, their turbans, their robes, and all their garments. And because the king in his anger, he had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, now, if, you, if you're in the New Living Translation or when you're on the translations, I want you to highlight this or circle this. They were securely tied. They were bound. They were bound. And they fell into the roaring flames. And now, many of y'all know the rest of the story here, how suddenly Nebuchadnezzar, he looked into there the fiery furnace, and he didn't see these people burned up, nothing in there. He saw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I like this. He says he didn't just see them in there the way they went in, but something happened. Something took place. In other words, the things that bound them, the ropes that bound them, now had been burned off, and they were free. They was walking around in the fiery furnace. Now, how many of y'all know that don't just happen every day of the week? Amen. <laughs> But even greater, as he looked in the fiery furnace, he didn't just see three people. He saw a fourth person. He saw what he said looked like the Son of God. And it's amazing. And, and just going on down here, verse 28, I want to pick back up here. Because Nebuchadnezzar, he is freaking out over this situation. He calls the guys out of the fiery furnace. In verse 28, it says this. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's commands, and they were willing to die rather than serve or worship any other god except their god. Therefore, I make this decree. Now, I want you to listen to this. Pay attention to this. He says, if any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or the Most High God, they will be torn limb from limb, and their houses will be turned into heaps of trouble, There is no other God who can rescue like this. What an incredible story. What an incredible story. Here's three young men have made a stance for God, believing God, just simply loving God, do nothing wrong really so to speak, but find themselves in a very precarious situation. I don't know if you've ever been in a precarious situation before in your life, but you know, you know uh, I'm ty- one of these type of people that I kind of like to go put myself into the story just as a bystander, just as an observer into the story. And, and you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, here are these guys, young guys, just love God. Now, I don't know how many of y'all used to really love God when you was young. Man, you just knew you could do anything, man. I mean, you were invincible, man. You could, you know, jump off the building 10 feet in the air and, you know, land and just play. You know, I have a problem now with a three-foot drop-off now, you know. And it's just you're invincible. And, I, I can imagine these three guys are like, okay, guys, we're not going to bow to this. We're not going to compromise. We're, we're going to stay strong. We're, we're, we're going to live. We're going to see God show up. And, and, you know, and the whole situation, the music happens. They's like, you know, guys, not going to bow. Not going to bow. We're not going to succumb to the pressure of our culture. They make a stand. They don't bow. You know, and I'm sure back in their mind, they're like, God, you're going to take care of us. Man, we're standing for you. You're taking care of us. You know, and I, I can imagine whenever Nebuchadnezzar gets the word and begins to scream and holler and the soldiers come grab them, I, I, I can imagine maybe Shadrach leaning over to Abednego and saying, hey, watch this, God's going to show up big time. Just watch this. 
You know, I, I, I can imagine as the soldiers begin to put them, bind them, and begin to take them, you know, to the place of the fiery furnace, I'm sure Abednego was saying over to Meshach, hey, you know, God, I know God's going to show up. You know, I can imagine when they took him before Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar goes on a rage off on him, and, you know, why didn't you bow? I told you so. And I can imagine the thoughts that begin to run through those three guys' heads. You know what? We're trusting God. I know God's going to show up. I know he's going to show up. I know God is going to deliver us. I know God is going to. See, the thing that I know about God, when God shows up, he loves to show off. Amen. And I can just imagine the things going through the heads of those young guys. I don't know. I'm just wondering, Pastor Eric, if maybe as they kind of face their final judgment and they're being carried towards the fiery furnace, I'm just wondering if there was a hint of doubt. Like, wait a minute, God, we took a stand. God, it shouldn't have gone this far. Don't you know that probably somewhere in their mind they're thinking, okay, God, any time. Any time would be a good time. God, we're, we're just 30 yards away. Well, God, <laughs> come on, any of y'all ever been in a situation in your life, you're like, God, God, I know you're going to help me. I know, God, I know, God, you're going to deliver me. And God, this would be a good time. <laughs> God, if you'd show up right now, I'd really appreciate it. Come on, how many of y'all have been to those points in your life before? No, even when they opened the door to that thing and the flames consumed the soldiers there, I just wonder if suddenly they had that glimmer of hope. Ah, this is deliverance. Oh, wait a minute, we're going in. <laughs> have you ever believed God for a miracle in your life and he didn't show up with the miracle when you wanted a miracle? Have you ever faced a situation and you was going in a situation, you're like, you know what, I'm not going to have to go through this. I didn't do anything wrong. Have you ever been to a situation you're going into and like, God, come on, I know, this is the time, this is my miracle now. You know, the beautiful thing about this story is that God didn't keep them out of the fiery furnace, but he went with them through the fiery furnace. Now, if I would have been writing the story, if I'd have been dictating to God, I would have said, God, the moment that those doors open, let the angel come down, slay everybody, cut the ropes off, and woo! But that didn't happen. That didn't happen. Now, we've got the benefit of knowing the rest of the story. See, Paul Harvey wasn't around at the, that time to give us the rest of the story, uh, but we know the rest of the story. And, but the beautiful thing that I want you to understand about this story is this. As I said a moment ago, God didn't keep him out of the fiery furnace, but we went with him through the fiery furnace. But the thing that I want you to understand is those last few verses that we read there. Because God went with him through the fiery furnace, he was greatly magnified across the entire nation. In other words, there was more of the goodness of God displayed in those last few moments of those passages we just read than if God would have kept him out of the fiery furnace. See, if God would have kept him out of the fiery furnace, man, good for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but what impact would that have made? Look at the impact that was made. Look at the decree that was made across the nation. Nebuchadnezzar, everybody saw the goodness of God in that event, and everybody saw that moment, and people were drawn to God at that moment. Man, if God can do that, I want to serve that God. It would have been a miracle if they wouldn't have had to go through the fiery furnace, but it wouldn't have been that impactful. Many times in our life, we don't understand why we have to go through some of the things that we go through. But let me tell you this. Let me give you this statement. The goodness of God is magnified when we go through hard times, and he brings us through those hard times. There was a miracle that day that took place with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and God was tremendously magnified. 
Many years ago, Pastor Eric, I heard a man, a great man that I really have a lot of respect for. He was preaching one day, and he said this. He said, you know, everybody has a year from hell eventually in their life. I heard that statement, and I heard it was one of those statements. I didn't like that statement. Because I looked at my life, I hear I am, I'm a kid from Guyman, Oklahoma, I was raised in a pastor's home, really a good kid, I was a preacher's kid, and I was a good preacher's kid, I wasn't one of those ones that got off crazy, I wasn't perfect by no means, but I never really had got off onto drugs or alcohol or none of that stuff. And when I heard this man say this, I said, man, he's, I often thought to myself, I found myself thinking, well, you know, I, I haven't had tragedy, I haven't had challenges, you know, outside of just small stuff. And, you know, and, and he said this, that everybody has a year from hell in their life. And what he was saying is about everybody always has a challenge that they have to face. And I was processing this, and, you know, this was about 2005. And in 2005, you know, I've been in full-time ministry now for 25 years. And one thing that, uh, uh, you know, you, you saw a little bit about our family and uh, four kids, um, my wife and us, you know, it takes a lot. How many of y'all know it takes a lot to live in our world today when you got a lot of kids? And, amen? And, and so, one thing in ministry, and I'm sure Pastor Eric and Chilla can testify to this stuff, you know, you, you don't get into ministry to make money. You don't, you don't get into ministry just so you can accumulate that. I mean, in other words, in ministry, I mean, thank God we, we do receive as compensation, but man, I tell you, sometimes it's hard. It's hard to make ends meet. And so in 2005, Tam and I, we had an opportunity to go into just a little side business. And uh, we started in this thing in 2005, this little side business, just with the sole intentions of making a little bit of additional money, just to kind of help take care of those things, you know, that, that come up, uh, just to help make ends meet. Well, this side business that we got into just started really growing and really started doing pretty good. And it got to that place where it needed more attention. And, and one thing that we, our attention's always been on is ministry. That's what our calling is, ministry. It wasn't for business. It was just to make a little extra money. And, and so uh, one of Tammy's relatives come to us and says, you know what? Uh, I, I love this. I, I'm gifted in this thing. Let me run this thing for you. Let me, let me take this business over you. That way you can give all of your time to the church. That way you don't have to worry about a thing. Now, for me at that time, I was like, hey, that sounds good. Sounds good. So we turned that business over to our, our relative and with the intentions that he was going to get it going real well, and then he was going to buy it from us. Well, some of y'all kind of know where I'm going with this story because you've had these hangs happen. Let me, let me give you just the short version of what took place. Well, the short of the version is this, that the business got ran into the ground. We didn't know it till it was too late. Our name was still on the line. And let me tell you, all hell broke out against us in 2008. Let me tell you, Pastor Rick, 2008, that was our year of hell. Everything that I prided myself in, my word was my bond, a man of it being a man of integrity, was now put to the test. But you know, as we went into that, we, we began to find out that this business had fallen apart, the money wasn't there that he said was there, there was, and all these creditors were calling and said, okay, you know what? And we're like, we gave the business over to so-and-so. They said, well, your name's still on the line, but... We believed and trusted in him. And this whole time, Tammy are like, you know what? We're good God-fearing people. We haven't done nothing wrong. You know what? God, I know you're going to show up in this. God, I know you're going to keep us out of the fire. That whole time, and I'll be honest with you, Eric, we probably should have been more proactive in the thing, but because we kept thinking, you know what? We're not going to have to go through that. We're not going to have to go through that. We're not going to have to go through that. God's going to keep us from going through the mess. <laughs> 
I can still remember sitting in a court hearing and having to be called up to testify and having to walk from the back of the courtroom to the front of the courtroom with people that I actually knew from around town, having to walk that long steps, feeling completely humiliated. I'm like, oh, dear God, dear God. Let me tell you, for Tammy and I, it was the fire. It was the fiery furnace. But let me, let me just, because just, I've got a lot more to share with you here this morning. God brought us out of that, Pastor Eric, incredibly. I, I wish I could say that the angel showed up there in the courtroom and says, Thus saith the Lord God Almighty, Brad and Tammy, you're innocent. <laughs> that didn't happen. But I will share this. Tammy and I went into that very bound with things, just bound with business, bound. And let me tell you, through that process, God set us free. And I, let me, I'll, I'll just make this statement, and I, and I could tell, talk the rest of this service about that simple incident. But let me tell you what, I am so far better off because of the fire I went through in 2008 than I, I think I really would have been if I hadn't have gone through it. I'm a different person because of the year of 2008. I told my church that at the end of the year 2008, I wanted to make a T-shirt that said, I survived 2008. <laughs> Come on, how many of y'all have ever had one of those years? Why, am I talking to some people here? Am I relating to y'all today? Hey, let me tell you, God is good, and he's good all the time. Let me give you just real quickly three simple thoughts that I want to leave us here with this morning about God's goodness. Three simple thoughts. I'm sure Pastor Eric's hit on these before. But the first thought that I want to leave you with is this. God is good all the time. God is good. How often? All the time. God is so good. And, and that's such a simple statement, but let me, let me, the reason why I give you that as point number one is because you've got to settle that in your heart. You've got to settle in your mind. You've got to settle in your heart that God is good all the time. Amen? Many of y'all, I'm sure, know John chapter 10 and verse 10. Do y'all know that passage of Scripture? I love it because it really gives us the purpose and the destiny. It says this, John chapter 10, verse 10 in the New King James, the thief does not come except to do what? Help me out, church. To what? Steal, kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come to, that you may have what? And what? Have it more abundantly. That word there abundantly, if you go study that out in the original Greek languages, it's, it means this super abundant in quantity and superior in quality. In other words, that's the kind of life that God has come to give us, that Jesus Christ gave his life for, is to have an abundant life. But it is the thief who does what? To steal, kill, and destroy. Let me just illustrate this point real quickly. Shorty, can you come help me real quick? Pastor Eric, can you come help me real quickly? Shorty, you stand right there. Pastor Eric, you stand right there. This is something that I want you to understand, and I got you, you got to solidify this in your heart, that God is good all the time. All the time. In other words, we see in this passage of Scripture, there's a dual purpose really here. We see, in other words, a dual force that's working in our life. We've got the God force over here. We've got God's plans for us over here. God's plan is what? It's life. Jeremiah chapter 29, 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans of good. In other words, good things. God is good. But we know here, let's just let Shorty, you're going to represent the, the other side. So you're wearing black, so we're going to let you represent the, the enemy in his kingdom. <laughs> How fitting was that? <laughs> but we know there, there, there's another kingdom, there's another force out there, and this force, the purpose, the goal of the kingdom of darkness is to kill, to steal, and destroy. The goal of the kingdom of God is to bring life and purpose for you. Amen? This is what I want you to understand. You're here in the middle. In other words, there's a dual purpose 
working in your life. There are dual plans available for you to live in. God's plans are good. Devil's plans are God good, devil bad. <laughs> and see, this is what happens so many times is maybe because a situation you get into, and it's just like Tammy and I, we was in a situation beyond our control. There was a plan for the adversary that was trying to influence our life. But even in that, let me tell you, God was always good. God was always good. He's good all the time. Well, Pastor Brad, you don't understand. Man, God took my loved one. Let me tell you, I don't see anywhere in Scripture where God takes somebody, one of our loved ones. Well, Pastor, you know, that pastor told me that God needed another angel in heaven. God's got plenty of things. But let me tell you, we've got to understand this. God is never bad. God is never bad. But let me tell you, in this other side over here, there's always, there's always a plan. There's always a strategy trying to operate over you. The moment, the moment you get outside of these doors, let me tell you, there's a plan out there that's bad. There's a whole strategy. There's traps set up for you to steal, to kill, and destroy from your life. They're out there. In the same sense, let me tell you, God, oh, my goodness, his plans and his purposes, they are good. Man, and God's a good God. So you've got to understand this. You've got to get this in your heart. God is always good. He's always good, and he doesn't run out of goodness. He's always good. In the same sense, the devil's always bad. So we've got to keep our, really this leads me to my point number two is I want you to understand this, that we've got to keep our focus. In other words, if God's plans are always good and the devil's plans are always bad, where am I going to choose to focus upon? Even if I feel like I've fallen into trap, I've always got to know that God is good. Come on, give these two guys a big old hand here today. You've got to keep our focus on the right thing. Number two, keep my focus. I'm going to keep my focus. You've got to keep your focus. And let me tell you, God's goodness is not based upon what you have done or what you haven't done. Did you hear that? God's goodness, goodness is based upon who you are. You are a child of the Most High God. About five years ago, we was over in eastern Oklahoma at a lake there that, uh, in a place that Pastor Tammy's parents have. And uh, we're over at Lake Tenkiller. I don't know if you've ever been to Lake Tenkiller. But it sits kind of low, and it's got these hills around it. And uh, what we do every year is we, we drag our, our four-wheeler on our trailer so that the kids can run up and down the hill to get up there. This one particular day, I'm uh, taking care of some stuff across the lake there on this little project that her dad and I are doing. And our daughter, Brittany, uh, she takes the four-wheeler and uh, is riding it up the hill. And she gets to this little narrow place in the road, and she gets a tire off. And the thing falls and falls on top of her. She goes down and she hits her head. And the four-wheeler falls right on top of her. I'm across the lake and I get this call on my cell phone. It's Tammy. She is screaming hysterically. <laughs> she just, Brittany's hurt. Now, I, I want you to tell you, you something. As a dad, the first thing that I wanted to do was get to my daughter. You know, Pastor Eric, I didn't have one thought they're like, well, if she would have been driving the thing right, she wouldn't have the accident. Well, you know what? If she hadn't have done that, this never would have happened. In other words, I did not base my love at all upon what she had done or hadn't done. I jumped in the car, and I got there as quick as I could because she's my baby, and I loved her. I loved her. It wasn't, my reaction was not based upon how good she was or things Maybe wrong decisions she'd made. My reaction is based on who she was. Let me tell you, God is reacting to you. He wants to show up for you. His goodness is going to show up for you just because of who you are. 
Amen. Say, I'm going to keep my focus. Come on, say, I'm going to keep my focus on the goodness of God. Real quickly, let me talk through this point number two, just real quickly here. Y'all remember the story of Peter walking on the water in Matthew chapter 14? I love this story. How the disciples are out in the boat one night. Jesus comes walking on the water. Peter sees Jesus out there walking. The whole disciples saw him. They kind of freaked out. But Jesus says, Peter says to Jesus, Jesus, that's you. Hey, can I come walk with you? Jesus said, what? What did you do? Come on, come on. Let me tell you, there was enough power in that one word from God that caused the supernatural to take place that night. Peter says he got out of the water and began to walk to Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but that in itself is a tremendous miracle. I don't know about you, but I've tried to walk on water before. I didn't get very far. <laughs> so he's walking out of the water. There, you know, the, the storm is still raging. I mean, it's not, and, and you know how it is, even in Oklahoma lakes. You know, if, if, if there's any wind blowing on Oklahoma lake, you know there's some waves. So Peter's walking on the water. Now, I've often wondered about this story, you know, because I don't think Peter was going over the water top like a bobber. You ever see a bobber just going, I mean, that, I don't think that happened. I don't know if there was like a median uh, uh, range there that he was walking and maybe the, the waves were still lapping up to his knees high. Maybe I don't know how it took place. But all I know is this, that Peter is walking on the water. The supernatural is taking place. The goodness of God is being manifested. But something begins to happen. He begins to be aware that the circumstances that he is in is contrary to what God is doing in his life. And something happens, it begins to put more focus upon the circumstance than on God, on Jesus Christ that stood before him. Let me tell you, when you begin to look to the circumstances and let the circumstances take precedence over the Word of God that's operating in your life, let me tell you, just like Peter, you're going to begin to sink. You're going to become overwhelmed. Now, we know in the story in Matthew chapter 14, Peter cried out to Jesus, Lord, help me. Jesus reached out his hand, grabbed Peter, immediately popped back up on the water, walked back to the boat. Let me tell you, I'm fully convinced in this. If Peter simply would have got his focus back upon Jesus, I think just like a bobber, he would have come popping up out of that water. Because it's a matter of focus. Your life, your success is a matter of focus. We can all get carried away with the little peeny ante circumstances, this thing over here, this thing over there. But let me tell you, it's a matter of focus. What are you going to focus on? Are you going to focus on the goodness of God, or are you going to look at the things the enemy's doing in your life? You start looking at the things the enemy's doing in your life, you're going to get freaked out. You're going to get worried. You're going to get a little stressed out. Get your focus on God. Look at somebody tell them, I'm going to get my focus upon God. Got to keep your focus on Jesus even in the storms of life. I like something that Matthew Barnett said. He said, Every great miracle I've ever experienced has always seemed to happen after the darkest moments of my life. I like that. I relate to that. I think of Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 where he's crying out to God, God help me. I've got this thing that's harassing me. And I love what it says in verse 9 of 2 Corinthians chapter 12. It says this God's response was this My grace is all you need. Come on, say, God's grace is all I need today. My grace is all you need, he said. My power works best in your weaknesses. What are you focusing on today? Is it on the problem that you're having? Or is it on the goodness of God? Who is the author? Jesus, let me tell you. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. What God has begun, he is going to finish in your life. Amen. My third and final point is this. Don't ever give up. Look at your neighbor and say, don't give up. Don't ever give up. Back in January of 1998, January 11th, 1998, we started World Harvest Church. I always tell everybody, Pastor Eric, it's a good thing I was really young and really naive when we started the church. We didn't know any better. The way we started church is we just started advertising for two weeks in Enid. Hey, World Harvest Church is starting up Sunday night, January 11th, 6 p.m. at 609 West Purdue. 
come out, expect the supernatural. That was our advertisement for two weeks. January 11th, 1998, 6 p.m. at 609 West Purdue. We opened the doors. Had 64 people in attendance that first night there. I talked about expecting the supernatural. Great service. So glad to get that first service out of the way because, I mean, here we are, just young people from uh, Guyman, Oklahoma, just loving God and just want to do something great for God. So we start the church over there and go through the month of January. And, of course, we had a few visitors come over from Guyman for that first service. But we had a group that went through about 30 to 40 people there through on Sunday mornings there. First Sunday of February, let me tell you what happened. First Sunday of February, I wake up with just a sense of excitement for what God's doing. Our first month is over. Month number one's gone. I praise God. I'm just excited. It's a beautiful morning in Oklahoma. Just, so I go on down to the church early like I always do and uh, just praying and just believing God, just excited about what God's going to do in Enid, Oklahoma. Tammy calls me a little bit later and she says, oh, you'll never guess what happened. Uh, my sister-in-law, Christy, called from Oklahoma City. She said, man, this is what Christy said. I was just praying for you guys today and, and, and I just really sense that God's going to do something great at World Harvest Church today. And I like Tammy was sharing that with me, and I said, man, that just such bears witness with my spirit. I mean, I was so excited about what God's going to do on the first Sunday of February, 1998, at World Harvest Church in Enid, Oklahoma. I mean, I'm just, let's go, God, bring it on. That's my attitude. We had a friend from Guyman come over, and she had a little girl that's probably about six or seven years old at the time. And so uh, church started at that time at 1030. And so about 10 o'clock, you know, start getting the sanctuary all ready and everything. Tammy, she comes in. She's our children's pastor. I mean, when you start the church, you're everything. And so we had this little room up for children's ministry. And, uh, of course, that time, you know, uh, we had our four kids was still real young. So we was the children's minister. We had the pastor and all the kids at the time. So she's up there getting along, getting ready to go. So about 10, 15, uh, I do my regular thing that I was doing at that time. I'd go to the front doors, open the doors, get ready for the people to start coming in. You know, 15 minutes till church starts, so I'm ready to go. So I'm saying we got the praise, worship, music going on in the sanctuary. I'm there at the front door, just, oh, praise God, excited, excited. So 10, 15, open the doors. Of course, nobody's there yet, still 15 minutes to go. Nobody there yet. And about 10, 20, uh, our friend from Guyman pulls in, and she's there with her daughter. Hey, welcome to World Harvest Church today. I, I said, listen, God's going to do something really cool today. I know it. There's just this sense, this expectancy. She's going to say, yeah, I really do feel something. There's just an excitement in the air today. I said, hey, you're, take your girl up there to Tammy. They're going to have children's church up there, but we're going to have a great service today. 10.25 rolls around. I'm looking around like nobody's coming into the parking lot. I'm like, oh, everybody just running late. Everybody just running late. Let me tell you what, 10.30 showed up, Pastor Rick, and nobody else came. I'm like, wait a minute. God, you said to do this. You gave us a distinct word to go to Enid, Oklahoma. Don't be another church on the street corner. Make a difference. So I'm like looking around, it's 1030, it's time to start. And I'm an adamant guy. If we say we're starting at 1030, we're starting at 1030. So I walked in sanctuary, and that one gal was there. Her name was Jody. I said, Jody, doesn't look like anybody else coming right now. It's just you and me. Now, in the back of my mind, I said, let's just call off church. Back of my mind, I'm saying, you know what, maybe we shouldn't be doing this. In the back of my mind, I'm thinking, you know what, maybe I should have stayed in Guyman. Maybe we should just pack up. We gave it our best effort, go back to Guyman. But I said, Jody, I said, you know what, it's just you and me. But I know God wants to do something today. I said, do you mind if we just have church? And she said, just go right on ahead. Let me tell you what we did that first Sunday of February, 1998. We had church with one person in service. We did our whole worship set. I preached the whole word. 
I gave the altar call. I prayed for her and sent her on her way. I went home that day. Like, dear God, what was that all about? Flesh said, give it up. But there was something bull in my spirit, Pastor Eric. I said, you know what? We're not giving up. Something in the back of my mind said, you know what? We can't go any worse. Can't have any worse. <laughs> Let me contrast that to seven weeks ago. Due to our multiple services that we're having on Sunday mornings, we wanted to do something for Easter. We'd bring all of our three services together. And because, now don't let our three services throw you off. We don't have a nice facility like this. We've got a very small facility. We can only hold 200 people in our sanctuary is, is really pushing. You've got to really not mind sitting to some, by somebody in our services when it's full. And so we wanted to do something just to bring all three services together. But for the first time, I wanted to encourage our people to bring somebody, to invite somebody. I haven't been able to do that because we're so full already. Let me contrast the first February of 1998, one person in service, to what God did on Easter service. We called it Purple Easter. We had on Purple Easter seven weeks ago in our church service with our kids that were upstairs, all of our workers, we had 840 people at Purple Easter that day. I left Purple Easter that day with tears in my eyes, and I thought back to that moment where I could have gave up, where I could have said, God, I don't understand this. God, I don't, what, what are you doing? I just chose to keep my focus on God, keep loving God, and not give up. This is what I know. If you won't give up, I can guarantee you, you will see the goodness of God. If you won't give up on holding strong on your faith, if you won't give up on your belief for God, I can guarantee you, you will see the goodness of God in your life. Come on, I know some of y'all are like I used to be. You'd, you'd hear people talk about a miracle, and you're like, yeah, good for them, but God? Come on, how many of y'all ever been there before? Somebody get up and testify, I was believing God for this, and God showed up, and he showed off in my life. And we're like, yay for you. Am I the only one that's ever done that before? I would hear pastors have these great meetings. I'm like, hey. But inside I'm like, God, have you forgot about me? God showed me one time this. And it's on a Walmart line. And I know your Walmart's not like our Walmart needed. All these checkout lines, and you got two checkout people. <laughs> I remember sitting in one of those Walmart lines. Says one of those, I just want to run and grab a few things and just go. And I... There's no way out except through the checkout line, and it's it is long line. I remember sitting in line one day, sitting there like this. I'm like, oh, God. And, and, and God just kind of made me pay attention to those in front of me. I just kind of paid attention, and, you know, the, the one up there at the front of the line, she would check out and leave, and the line would move up a step. Next lady, check out, move out. And suddenly, I'm like, just, Lord said, what's going on in your heart through this? I said, well, you know, every time that lady checks out and moves on, when I get to take a step up, I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm getting a little closer. He said, listen, my goodness is just like that. When somebody gives a testimony, something of the goodness of God, just realize you're next. The line's getting a little bit shorter. So when I hear about a testimony, when I hear something, somebody sharing something good about God, I'm like, oh, praise God. And I'm truly saying praise God because you know what? The line's got a little shorter. And I could be next. Come on, poke your neighbor and tell him I could be next. You guys get anything out of this today? 
don't give up. Look at that one beside you. Say, I will not give up. Can I give you one more story? Here as we close. God's good. Let me tell you, God's good all the time. He's good when you're expecting it. He's good even when you're not expecting it. He's always good. He's always good. I want you to know that God's always good. Our daughter that you saw there married to Kinsley, he's an Air Force pilot. He's flying the AWACS uh, out of Tinker Air Force Base and lives in Edmond, been married a year and a half. Just found out a few months ago expecting our first granddaughter, our first grandbaby. September, I know I don't look that old. I I know that somebody thought, Pastor Eric, I know that was the thought he had. But uh, she comes up to Enid pretty regularly. Tammy and I, we was, uh, another deal we was looking at uh, doing with her mom and dad, uh, trying to help them with uh, a trailer house. Decided on Monday morning was going to go to Muskogee and look at this trailer dealership over there. We'd got there, we'd left real early that morning and uh, got there, we'd looked at this first trailer. My phone rings. Look down, it's Brooke. Brooke Jordan's her name. Brooke, of course, you know, when your kids meet with a house, First of all, I'm like, thank God. <laughs> but I'd love to hear from him. Remember looking down at my phone, seeing Brooke Jordan. I was like, hey, Brooke's calling me this morning. Slid my little slider over my iPhone, picked it up. She is screaming and crying at the same time. My first thought was this. She's got this little dog called Eva that's been her baby. I thought, oh, my God, Eva's been ran over. She was screaming and crying and hysterical. And she said, Dad, finally I began to make it out. Dad, I've rolled the pickup. I've rolled the truck. She said, I've rolled it, I don't know, 12 times. I've had an accident. Now, I don't know if you've ever got that call before. My heart was ripped out that very moment. I'm three hours away from my daughter. If there's ever a time that I could have been instantly translated, I wanted to be there for my daughter because I could hear the pain in her heart. Of course, as a parent, your mind just goes absolutely, just incredibly crazy. I knew she's pregnant. The one thing I knew was that she was talking to me. That was good. It was in that moment of time, that, in a moment of helplessness, there was nothing I could do. The only thing I could do was call 911, get the ambulance on the way. The only thing I could do was call the church, told my associate pastor, get in the car, get to seven miles south of Covington as quick as you can. Brooke has been in a serious accident. The only thing I could do beyond that was God. God, we need a miracle. We need a miracle. We had no idea the extent of it. We began to travel back from Muskogee just as fast as we could, <laughs> being wise in the midst of it. But miraculously, our, my, our, our middle daughter, Brittany's working at the church this summer, so she was able to jump in with my associate pastor and get there as quick as she could. Got there just as the ambulance was leaving. So she got a ride. Brittany got a ride back with the, in the ambulance with Brooke. And began to ride back, and she began to text us reports. She's good. She's okay. She's okay. Do you have that picture? Let me show you a picture of her truck. She drives a 2000 Jeep Liberty, a little one of those mini Jeeps. She's packed up and ready to leave out that morning. Her husband, Kinsley, just said, you know what? For summer, you need to take the pickup today. She's, I'm already packed up in the Jeep. Kizzy says, listen, let me, let me unpack you. You need to take the pickup today. 
that's a 2005 half-ton quad cab Ford. She rolled it I don't know how many times. One of them was end over end, we believe. But let me tell you about the goodness of God. She virtually walked away from that wreck, not with a cut, with a little bit of abrasion on her wrist, a little bit of concussion. Baby perfectly fine. And that's it. Not even a bruise on her shoulder from the seatbelt. Let me tell you, I don't believe God's not good. I believe God's good all the time. Would you stand to your feet with me here this morning? I know I've gone a little long this morning, but I just really believe God wanted to speak something into every heart, into every life here today. What's the Holy Spirit speaking to you through this message today? And I ask this, just bow your head there right where you're at. And I just want you to look into your own heart today. I, I pray this, that something has hit home with you this morning. Solidified in your heart that God's good, His goodness is there, and it's there all the time. Keep your focus. Keep your focus on God and His goodness. And never give up. Never give up. Let me ask you just a couple of questions here this morning. If you're here this morning, first of all, and you're just not sure about your relationship with Jesus Christ, maybe you've never asked Jesus to come live in your heart, or maybe one time you did, but you're kind of like the prodigal son. You've been seeking the pleasures of this world rather than seeking God. Let me tell you, now's the time to come back home to get your heart right with Jesus Christ. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody looking around, please. If you're here today and you're just not sure about your relationship with God, whether it's good or not, would you raise your hand and wave it at me? Is anybody here today, you're just not sure about your relationship with God? I don't want anybody to leave without knowing for sure. Anybody at all? Okay, let me ask you a second question. Maybe you're here today and you feel like you're right in the midst of the fiery furnace. You're right in the middle of some stuff. You're right in the middle of some circumstances that are not good. And you're a little stressed out right now. Maybe you're, you've got those thoughts, man, I don't know if I can keep going on. Before we go, we want to pray with you. So if that's you, you say, Pastor, I need some help. I need some prayer. If that's you, would you raise your hand and wave it at me? Come on, all across this sanctuary. Would you do something for me? Every one of you that rose your hand, would you make a bold step of faith and meet me down here at the front? Just make a step of faith and just say, you know what? I'm going to go forward. I'm going to get the encouragement I need. I'm going to get the strength I need. Every one of y'all that are going through something right now, come on, meet me down here at the front. All across this sanctuary, don't let pride keep you back. Don't let embarrassment keep you back. Come on, God wants to do something in your life. I believe God wants to take some care of some things in the spiritual realm here today. Don't let the enemy hold you back. Don't let intimidation hold you back. Hallelujah. This is what I want to do, Pastor Eric. If I can say a general prayer, then I'm just going to let your ministry teams, if your ministry teams will come and begin to minister to these on an individual basis. Hallelujah. Let's all gather in here just a little bit closer. Can we do that? Come on, church. Are you all all right with this? Come on, are you all all right with this? Come on, I believe God wants to do something here in the spiritual realm. Come on, everybody gather in here just a little bit closer. 
Y'all that are standing out there, stretch your hands up here towards these. Father God, right now in the name of Jesus, Lord God, I thank you for your word, your word that is true. Lord God, I thank you for your power. Lord, I thank you for your goodness here today. And Lord, for these that are standing before me here in front of this platform today, Lord, just by the boldness of their step of faith, Lord God, as they've stepped out here today, Father God, we declare over every one of these lives that they will not be stopped, Lord God. Father God, I thank you that you're infusing them here this morning with your power, with your ability in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord God, they are going to move ahead. They will not be taken out. They will not they, they will not die in the fire. But Lord God, just as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as they went in bound, Lord God, Father, they come out set free. Lord God, I speak over every one of these lives here today that you're setting them free right now in the name of Jesus, Lord God. Father, we speak of freedom over them right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, freedom in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Lord God, freedom in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Lord God, freedom, 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 freedom in the name of Jesus. Freedom in the name of Jesus. Lord God, freedom in the name of Jesus, Lord God. Come on, I want us to all say this together. Say, I will not quit because you're a good God. And Lord, you're good all the time. Lord, I trust you with my life. Lord, I trust you with your plans that you have for me. Lord, you're good. And you're good all the time. So, Lord God, I thank you that you're taking me to a new place. You're taking me to an abundant place. Lord, you're taking me to a place of peace, a place of abundance, a place of my purpose. In Jesus' name. Come on, church, let's give the Lord a big hand here today. Woo! Hallelujah. I'm going to ask the ministry teams just to, to come. If you guys will just stay right there. I want them to lay hands on you. I just want them to pray over you. So if you're part of that ministry teams, just come on up, if you will, just and just begin to start just laying hands on somebody in front of you. Come on, just, just pray a blessing over them. Just release the goodness of God. You know, the kingdom of heaven is within, and he says to release that goodness of God today. So they're just going to lay their hands on you. They're just going to lay their hands upon them as the Lord just ministers here today. The Lord just ministers here today. Just stretch your hands towards the altar just a moment. What about if this is one of your loved ones? What about if your family? What about if your friends were here? And we just want to continue to support, support them right now. We just want to continue to support them right now in the name of Jesus. Just continue to bless them. Continue to strengthen them. Just to release their goodness upon them right now. In the name of Jesus. 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 I thank you, Father. I release, I declare the goodness of God being released. I declare it at their workplace. I declare favor. I declare that they, as they walk through difficult places, Lord God, that you will guide their steps. You know, the Word of God says the steps of a righteous man or woman are ordered by the Lord, that you order steps here today. You order steps and paths of righteousness. You order steps and paths of victory. You order steps and paths of hope. You order steps in those paths right now. We just release the goodness right now of God on your life today. Release the goodness of God on your life today. Release the goodness of God on your life today. Now the rest of you guys that are in the sanctuary, if you just want to be seated, we're going to give the, have the ushers come, and we're just going to have you, if you, if you feel like it's time to sow a seed, we want you to sow a seed. So we're just going to have the ushers come, if you will, and, and they're just going to pass those baskets. You... You sow a seed as the Lord leads you to sow today. 
as we just release God's goodness. Maybe you need a, anybody need a financial breakthrough. I just want to connect financially with some things that God is doing for in the midst of difficult circumstances that God's going to bring forth that which he needs to bring forth today. Just going to ask Richard just to come on up here because I want to get my seed in first. One of those. Just begin to release that. Just release that. Just a few more moments today. Just a few more moments today. Don't worry about tomorrow. The Bible says tomorrow has enough worries of itself. Just release your goodness today. 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 Release your goodness, your goodness. Let's give the Lord some praise for Brad and Tammy. How about that? And for Enid. And we love Enid. And we declare that all of Enid to be saved and transformed. The pastor was also sharing with me that there was over 60 people that had made a decision that purple Sunday for Christ. So let's give the Lord some praise for that. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Release your goodness. Release your goodness, Father. Release your goodness today. Release your goodness today. Release your goodness today, Father. Thank you, 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 Father. We're just going to continue to minister. If you guys are released, you guys are dismissed to go. And and, um, and we're just going to continue to minister here today. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, come and let us introduce him to you. If you're here today and you want to be part of what God's doing with Living Word Fellowship, we just want to come and pray for you today. So we're available. We, we bless you. We dismiss you today. Just go in the Lord's power and his might and his peace of God just be upon your lives right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. God bless. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you, Lord. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you, Father.